And now, ladies and gentlemen, the time has arrived for Top Sports Talk. This is WT for TST, and today I'm honoured to be joined by El Mongoose, William Monroe. Going on. How you doing, mate? Doing good, and yourself? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. It's a bit uh, a bit colder here, though, than I think where you are in Florida. I've got... Yeah. Look out of my window here, and I've got a bit of decking. It's all snow covered there, snow oh, covered man. all the grass. It's freezing, mate. I haven't seen snow in two winters. <laughs> That's because you don't live in New York anymore. You've gone over there. We'll talk about yeah. it later. So, mate, first time on TST, what we like to do is go back. Um, it's a little bit like a short version of your life, really. Go back to uh, your childhood, really. Um, right. How that was for you, about school, how all that stuff was. And for you, uh, you were born in uh, Rochester, New York. Yep, upstate New York, born and raised. Tell us about it. What was that like growing up in New York? It was dope. It was dope. Uh, All the things that, you know, bigger city, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Lots of people, you know what I mean? Cool, cool places. You know, everybody know my story and, and, you know, in terms of like where I'm from, you know what I mean? You know, we we know I'm, you know, I'm from a, a different area as far as like, you know, roughness, but we made it out, you know what I mean? And, and we took, you know, um, what we had and made the best of it and and it, it's allowed us to create uh, a secure future for ourselves so it wasn't as bad as people may think but it's you know it's it's uh it's a beautiful town i love my city how how different is that divide then from i guess from what people say the bronx to upstate is it is it as bad as what people say i've never been to new york it's, it's on the list is it as bad um, as what it's it's just in, you know it's all about who you know who you are and who you hang around you know what i mean and who you decide to you know do business with or, or or have any type of dealings with it's just like any other city every every city has its good parts and its bad parts you know you have your you have and you have nots you know you're rich and you're poor you know what i mean so we know what side you know i came from but you know what i mean i don't i don't want to say like it's a bad city uh you know what i what i like to say is it's just like any other city and and um like I said, we took the best of what we had and made it work for us. So what was school like for you then? What was that? <clears throat> school was cool. Um, I went to public school. I went to um, two public schools, at elementary and uh, middle school. But as, a, as a, a high school, I went to a performing arts school. So that was a little different. I went to a performing arts school, yeah, for, for vocal music and piano. So um, me and my brother and then my younger sister, she got in. So uh, yeah, we all went to a performing arts school. Um, we we did a bunch of things like uh, huge ensembles. We did uh, the, the play Ragtime, um, uh, The Wiz. Uh, I got to sing background for Barry Manilow when I was like 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, you know, high school was different because I was in a performing arts school. And then from on from there, I went to a community college before turning pro in boxing. So. You know, school was a school was a journey for me. I would say. I'm, I'm trying. What I'm trying to put together here is performing arts, piano. I think you said right to yeah. boxing. Wow, what a what a what a difference. So, did you always do you want to be a musician? Then did you are? Is that what you want well, to do? I mean, at at its fundamental, you know, core, it's all the same thing. You know what I mean? When you look at you know, what we've made music and then what we've attacked, you know, attached to box. And so I had an R&B group. And when I would tell different people I have a, a performance coming up, you know, because I'm a fighter, they automatically assume that I was a rapper. 
And I'm like, yo, I, I can't rap a sandwich, you know, that's a song. <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they were like mind boggled to see that a fighter could sing. You know, and I grew up in church singing and, and you know, and then just, uh, I mean, my background being black and Cuban, I mean, that's all of the rhythm you need right there. So, you know, uh, you know, everything with everything in boxing and music is, is rhythmic. It, uh, it goes, it, everything goes together. The basis of it at, at, at its fundamental core is the same. You know what I mean? So um, a lot of people see the contrast and like, oh, I, how are you a fighter and a singer or a fighter and a musician? And they don't understand that like it's it's all like fundamentally the same thing. It's just the way you apply it. Yeah, I've never looked at it like that, I guess. I guess it is. It's all rhythmistic, yeah. So you still sing now then? You still do, do your stuff? I haven't sung since like maybe 2011 when the group broke up, you know, uh, but you know, music was my second passion. You know I mean? My brother that was in my group, me and him formed our group, you know, he's doing well in LA right now. You know I mean? He's, you know, riding with such people, you know, people such as Chris Brown and, uh, uh, Eric Bellinger. Um, he has his own production crew out there. So he took the music thing and, you know, when the group broke up, me and my brother looked at each other like, yo, we're brothers. We can't break up. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I was just like, look, you know, I'm not going to sing anymore. I'm just going to, I'm just going to fight. Cause, uh, cause you know, we all the way into my 11th professional fight, um, the group was together. So there were times where like, I would be rehearsing and training at the same time. I had no time to do any other things. You know, I would leave training and go straight to rehearsal. Sometimes leave the studio and go straight to training. So, um, you know, like once the group broke up, me and my, I was just like, look, it's kind of heavy to try to balance, you know, uh, two careers, you know, and I had met my, you know, my my now wife, but girlfriend at that point. And, um, you know, I just was like, you know, music is, uh, I love music. I still sing, I, but if I had to choose, you know, I'd rather be in the ring beating somebody up than on stage. And my brother says, you know, don't worry, because we're going to get our Grammy and our world title between both of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fine. So let's talk. Let's go into a bit of boxing now. Then, so um, your dad was a boxer, yeah. Was that your dad was a boxer, yeah? Yep, yep. My father was a boxer. Yep. Is that how you ultimately got into boxing then? Yep, yep. Watching my dad on TV, I saw my dad on like Tuesday night fights and you know ESPN. And when I was a kid, and it, you know, I used to when my dad would come to town. You know what I mean? I was raised by my grandparents, so when my dad would come to town, it was like. You know, it was, he was like a star, you know what I mean? And I, I I wanted that. So seeing my dad on TV and seeing how popular he was and just knowing that my family was known for being, uh, you know, great athletes and 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 um, great fighters, like my great uncle beat Marvin Hagler. So, you know, looking looking at that and, know, and knowing that my my uh, my family was known and, and held at a high esteem in those regards, you know, just made me want to do it more. How old were you at that point then when you were watching your dad on telly? I, mean, I was like four or five years old, maybe six. I wow. started when I was like six. I started boxing when I was like six. So I had to be like five years old seeing my dad on TV. Man, I, was, I was nuts. Like, I can't, I, can't, I can't think what that would be like from like a five, six-year-old going, oh, my dad's on telly. Then he'll pop around and see us after or whatever. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've just seen you on telly. Uh, well, I was just in that magical box I was watching. Now you're in my living room. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. As a kid, I that was quite hard. So, so did he take you? Did, did you end up going to, like, around with him in terms of, like, your gyms, amateur gyms and stuff, or...? Yeah, I went to some gyms with my dad, but my grandfather, you know, my 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 father, my father's father, 
you know, they raised me because, you know, at the, you know, at a point in my dad's career when I was born, you know, my dad, you know, it was just kind of tough for him at, at that point in his life to be a father and, you know, pursue a boxing career. And him and my mother weren't together. So my grandparents, uh, you know, I fell on my grandparents' lap. And my grandfather's the one who really, like, introduced me to boxing and, you know, woke me up and took me to the gym. And, you know, it took me to the gym for my very first time, taught me how to throw my first punches, you know? Wow. I just expect it to be your dad, I guess. I guess most right. people think that. No, it's good, mate. So, um, so you had a you had a really good amateur career, didn't you? Yeah, I had 142 amateur fights, 128 wins, 14 losses. I love the fact that you just know it. Boom, boom, boom. Yes, yes, yes. But you did um, Golden Gloves. You won, didn't it? Yeah, I won the Golden Gloves. I won the, the Empire State Games. We won the nationals, uh, junior nationals, senior nationals. I had three national titles. We uh. We won a, one international title. We were all over the place. So, so your debut was the 27th of March, 2008. Now, right. to me, that's four days before my eldest daughter was born. Now, mm. that's, I mean, she's coming up 13. That's a hell of a long time ago. Right. How well do you remember the debut? It was in your hometown, yeah? Mm. What did that feel like and how well did you remember it? Uh, man, I was nervous because it was just like going back home and fighting. And uh, I was fighting a guy who was from like, I think he was from like Nicaragua or something. And he was a national champion in his country, a national amateur champion. So I was like, man, I'm not, they're not giving me an easy one like they give everybody else. You know what I mean? I got to fight this guy who's a national champion in his, in, in his country as an amateur. And, um, but it, it was, it was blissful, man, because, you know, my whole family was there that the, the, the you know, the crowd turnout was pretty well. And uh, it was it was different because no headgear, no shirt. The judges were different. You know, the rules in the dressing room were totally different. So um, it was uh, it was an experience. I say that a good one, too. So you got through that. And we'll, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here, but I'm going to go forward another 10 fights because you were undefeated right. at that point. And then you stepped into uh, the ring with a guy called Darnell Boone or Boone. Right. Talk to us about that one. That didn't go as to plan, did it? Um, no, nah, it went as a plan. It didn't go as to my plan, but it went yeah. as a you know, plan. That it, you know, I guess, you know, uh, nothing, not, no, no mistakes are ever made on the guy's plan. But I mean, it was a, um, it was one of those fights. It was a split decision where you know a lot of people thought you know I won. Some people thought he won, but I didn't get the nod. So, I mean, that's that's just that's uh, just what comes with boxing. I think it was just a test of my. Um, my fortitude and my real want, you know, everyone in this game has a different walk. You know, you look at Bernard Hopkins, you know, he's looked at one of the greatest, you know, a lot of people don't know that he lost his very first professional fight. You know what I mean? He didn't start off on an undefeated track. You know what I mean? He started off with a loss. So, um, you know, it's not about how you start or, or in the middle, it's about how you finish. And, um, you know, with that, it just, it just made me want to train harder. It made me want to focus more. It made me, uh, it taught me a lot of lessons about people. You know what I mean? Because, you know what I mean? When you're up, people are with you. And when you're down, you see just how many people walk away from you. And, you know what I mean? It, 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 it shows you how, you know, weak-minded some people are because, you know, sometimes you wonder like if I'd have had 10 losses and then won one, would you be all down for me? And the answer would still be no. So it's, you know what I mean? I had 10, 10 wins and lost a split decision to a guy who had, that was my 11th professional fight. This guy had like 37, 37 professional fights at this time. And four yeah. opponents had 
pulled out before then. So I was like, look, I got to fight this guy. You know what I mean? He's the only guy that hasn't pulled out. So, you know, um, it taught me a lot. It matured me. You know what I mean? It, it helped with my maturation as a man. It helped with my maturation as a, as a fighter, uh, you know, and as a top contender, as a champion. So, you know, it, it was a, an unfavorable moment when it happened, you know, just as the Triple G and the um, Billy Joe Saunders were, you know, they were unfavorable moments when they happened, but every unfavorable moment has a seed of equivocal benefit. So it's all about how you take that and use it. And um, obviously I took that and used it well. I mean, we were training out of a garage and I won, I think five after the Darnell Boone fight, a friend of mine, I moved back home and we, we took his garage and turned it into a makeshift gym. You know, and that's how hungry we were. And we ordered, we got a bag, a heavy bag from like Craigslist wasn't even a real heavy bag. It was like the MMA canvas bag that you get out of like Walmart. You know what I mean? We couldn't even afford the Walmart when we had to get it off Craigslist for like, like $35. And, uh, you know, we just, we would use coupons from like the ringside magazine or like the Everlast magazine or the title magazines. And we would use the coupons and, and buy equipment for the gym. And we furnished a little two and a half car garage into a full gym. And it gets cold up during the winter time, and you know we we all were working our all working separate, you know nine to fives, and we all put money into you know fuel the, the the propane heaters for the gym to be warm, and uh we just it was a hunger we found a way, and for five fights we fought we fought out of a garage with a double end bag, a tire didn't even have a speed bag we had a tire you know how you have the uppercut bag the big wrecking ball, yeah. we didn't have one so we took a tire and drilled holes in it and hung it from a chain. And then we took a, um, a double end bag. So we had a double end bag, an MMA bag from Walmart and a double end bag that we got from Everlast and the tire. And we would just do round robin. We would get in there every night. We would do our stretches, warm up, and then we would do four rounds a piece and then just rotate on each bag. And we fought five fights out of that garage when no, it was no ring in there. We had no sparring, we didn't spar. And we just went on, a, we went on the road and fought guys on the road in their backyard with just conditioning hard work and skill. And then we made it to the Boxino thing. That was the next bit actually. <clears throat> um, so Boxino event, ESPN. How did all that come about? Just because you, you'd come back with victories? Well, we were, on a, we were on a winning streak and wait a minute, I lied. So I did spar, but I didn't have like um, speculative sparring for an opponent. When I was getting ready for my opponent, there was no sparring, but in between those, I made money going to camp with Randall Bailey, uh, Miguel Cotto, uh, Austin Trout. Austin Trout, that was a real fun camp. Um, I, I got to camp with these guys. Not only was I able to make money to take care of my family, I was able to learn because I was training with these guys as champions. I was training with Miguel Cotto. I was training, I learned a lot next to Pedro Diaz. I was training with uh, Austin Trout and Louis Burke. I learned a lot next to them. Um, Randall Bailey, one of the hardest right-handed punches in the game. I learned a lot with him down here in Florida. Um, so uh, in between that time, I, I learned and picked up and my name started circulating in the boxing game a little bit because not only were we winning, we won five fights on a row, you know, different camps of being in the camp like Miguel Cotto and, and Austin Trout were got around that like, yo, this kid is, you know, the real deal. So that's that opened up the doors for Boxino for me. So then you start in the Boxino talk. It's a little bit like the Super Series is now, isn't it? What's that? It's a bit like uh, what the World Boxing Super Series. It's kind of like that, isn't it? it yeah, kind of like that. But it was it was single elimination. 
So like once you lost, you were out. It was no, you could come back or you had a certain amount of points. Like once you lost, you were out, it was single elimination. So you were, uh, you quite convincingly beat uh, Brian Vera in the final, didn't you? Well, the finals was Brandon Adams. Brian Vera was where I- Sorry, the semi won it. Semi, yeah. sorry, yeah. Yeah, so we, we fought um, Donatus Bondarovas, Vitaly Kopalenko, and then Brandon Adams in the, in the, uh, in the finals. And then uh, after we won Boxino, we came back uh, was seven months later and fought Brian Vera and um, and Turning Stone. And that actually the anniversary for that fight just passed two days ago. I saw that when I was looking, actually. <clears throat> um, yeah. He was good, though. So if you think about the Brian Vera fight, right. um, then you went into uh, Golovkin, yeah? Right. How good was Golovkin? Um, Golovkin was, he was, he was really good. He was obviously, he's very skilled. You know what I mean? Um, the thing that, that, that I learned about Golovkin is what you see from the outside is different from the inside because he doesn't do much, you know, from, the, from when you're looking from the outside, he doesn't do much of, uh, what we would perceive as skillful fighter. Everything he does is more subtle. It's more, um, he's not like, uh, put it like this. You could look at like a Andre Berto or a Floyd or 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 Roy, you know, when they fight and be like, I, right, you know, they're fast. You know what I mean? Um, or, or myself, you could say, okay, you know, this guy's fast. Triple G isn't particularly fast, but he's very, very uh, not. He's fast, but he's not particularly quick is what I'm saying. And he has like impeccable timing. So it is sort of like um, the punches that hurt you are the ones you don't see coming. And he's very uh, fundamentally sound, you know what I mean? So like those things, those things you have to like, those things are things you won't pick up from the outside. He's a, like, he's a complete fighter, obviously. That's, that's obvious. Yeah, but I mean, to speak to someone that's been in there with him, you know, like, cause everybody says he's great, you know, right. but so you've been in with him, you know how good he is. Yeah. Well, that, 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 was, that was it. Then you came back and you beat, um, after that you beat Gabe Rosado, didn't you? Right, I fought John Thompson and, uh, and then and then Gabe Rosado, yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. The Gabe Rosado fight was, uh, you know, everybody knows the story. I took that fight on like a three and a half week notice and came in and upset the apple cart because they were like, you know, the winner of this fight will get Canelo in December. And excuse me, um, I didn't get Canelo even though I won. <laughs> and even was there any talks? Fight. Was there any talks about that, or was it just? Do you think it was just for him? No, it, well contracts were signed right you know there were contract and i'm and when looking back i'm happy that the fight didn't happen then because what the fight was worth and what i would have gotten back then under the you know under the promotional banner and the management i was under back then and then when you compare that to the management i'm under now i mean i'm glad i didn't take the fight and like it's definitely more more money and more opportunity in fighting canelo now than it would have been back then so, so it's a blessing. But after the Rosado fight, that got you Billy Joe, yeah? Actually, it didn't get me Billy Joe. Okay. So let me, you, do you, you understand that I fought Billy Joe Saunders a year after I fought Gabe Rosado. Yeah, there was a bit of a gap. But yeah, yeah, go on. It took a whole year. So like, you know, I'm going to give you some intel right here. Like sometimes when you, in, in boxing, winning can set you back. You know what I mean? Because because I wasn't supposed, I wasn't slated to win against 
you know, gave Rosado that night and I did. And I not only did I win, it, it wasn't even close. It wasn't, you know, I mean, something that you could say, well, maybe they should. It was like, you no, know, Willie Monroe clearly outclassed him that night. I got put on the bench. And then the WBO Intercontinental was stripped from me. And they said, uh, well, what we'll do is we'll give you a, um, it, this was like, I remember I was in Texas. It was Super Bowl weekend, 2017, the Super Bowl. And I got a call and they were like, pretty much we're going to strip you of the WBO Intercontinental because we want to use that belt for um, uh, uh, Curtis Stevens and, Dave, and David Lemieux when they fought. So I don't, if you go back to David Lemieux and Curtis Stevens, when they fought that night, they fought for the WBO Intercontinental. So they, and they were like, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't get a chance to fight one of those guys being that I had the belt. And they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to um, move you up in the rankings. And, 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 and as far as the WBO, the full belt, you know what I mean? Cause you got the, the full belt, which Billy Joe Saunders had at that time. So then I thought I was going to get a shot at Billy Joe Saunders. I look around at to, Avtendil Hortzitze got the shot. And I'm like, wait a minute, yo, I just gave y'all the, I just gave y'all, I relinquished the belt. I didn't, you know, I didn't cry about it. I, it was business. You guys said I would get Billy Joe Saunders next. Now he's fighting Avtendil Hortzitze. The only reason why I got that fight is because he got caught on a RICO charge and got sent and got, cause he was, uh, what was he doing? He was like racketeering, had some like racketeering charge or something. So the only reason why I wound up getting the Billy Joe Saunders fight was simply because Avtendil Hortzitze, it was never in the plans to like move me and get me a world title shot because I, I wasn't originally supposed to be Gabe Rosado. So, you know, and that's how the politics work in this game. But I mean, I'm grateful for it. I mean, you, I, I guess you could see that's why the things that were done when I was in the UK were done and business was handled the way it was handled. I guess they already saw that this guy knows how to come in and upset the apple cart. So we got to really, you know, dig into him and bear into him, you know, before the fight and make it difficult so he doesn't repeat that same thing over here, you know. And I get it. It's money, it's boxing, it's politics. You know I mean? People always say, why do boxers say, you know, boxing is all politics? That's just an excuse. I'm like, bro, there's a red in the blue corner. Like, that's Democrat and Republican. Like, <laughs> that's buds, bro. Like, there's nothing more political than red and blue. You know what I mean? Like there's a red and a blue corner, there's judges, there's a referee, you know what I mean? Like it's political down so, to the court. So how how much notice did you get for the Billy Joe then in the end? I think it was, a, let's see. So we fought September. We signed a contract the last week of July. We fought, so it was like a six to six or seven week notice. We had time, we had time. It was a seven-week notice. And how 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 did you rate your performance that night afterwards? Um, I just felt like I should have did more. You know, everything I wanted to do, if you go back and watch the fight, it was a close fight. Everything I wanted to do, I did. I just should have did more. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's the only thing. It wasn't like, uh, you know, skill was missing or speed was missing or power was missing. Every time I applied and fought, I got the best of them. I just didn't do it enough. And when you come into another guy's country, you can't come into another guy's country and just box to a decision. You know what I mean? You have to really dismantle him. And I understood that going, I, under, I understood the risk going in. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna sit here and act as if I didn't understand the risk going in. I understood that if I went over there and didn't completely dominate him, that I wasn't gonna win. I understood that. But 
it was something that I was willing to jump to. I'm not scared of nobody. I'm not scared to jump to another challenge and go over to another country, which other guys won't do. You know what I mean? Most guys won't do unless you got to look at the fact I was signed to a small promotional company, like, like uh, with band of promotions, you know, I wasn't signed to like an Al Heyman or Bob Aram that if this guy comes over to your country, we know he has protection. You know, I was signed to a little like, you know, like B-level promoter as opposed to, you know, Frank Warren. So we had to do what we were told, you know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? Like it was a bunch of stuff that, you know, I deem as unfair, but it's just the B-side. That's just, just, just when you're on the B-side. And I understand that I have no qualms about it. I'm not mad about it because, you know what I mean? Um, like I said, God doesn't make mistakes. And I think, you know, everything that I dealt with over in London and I dealt with it in a professional way, you know what I mean? I, I think the universe, you know, truly rewards that type of um, discipline and understanding. So, you know what I mean? You never know where, you know, your reward, your rewards lie. You know, it may happen to you this year and, you know, things may not pick up for you until three and a half years later. You know what I mean? Two years later, you know what I mean? Like people look at bad thing, you know, a loss or something like that when it happens, it's like, oh, it's over. Like, nah, you know, that there's a seed of equivocal benefit there. I learned something there. You know, could be the beginning, mate. I mean, I think your reward, you're living in Florida, mate. Come on. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm living in Florida. This pandemic hit. I was able to make it down to Florida before the pandemic hit. I didn't, obviously, none of us knew about the pandemic, but I made it down here, you know, maybe nine months before the pandemic, you know, really hit. And, you know, we've been, uh, we've been good. You know, we've been, been blessed to be able to be a little more free down here. And it's uh, no snow, <laughs> no snow. So uh, now it's beautiful. My family loves it. We're at Universal every other day. Ah, oh, I was all gonna say, mate. So, last time we went to Florida it was uh, 2018. We were just talking off camera, weren't we, about uh, you right. getting dates uh, rates because you live there, so, and that you're gonna sort right. us out. So it's cheaper next time, yeah. Right. <laughs> on camera. It's on camera. Um, so listen, just go quickly back to the boxing, just for a little bit. So um, you you last fought June 2019. Then um, right. obviously pandemic and everything you know not everyone's been able to get out what what is next for you what what's in the plans um i just know we're signed to a a, a dope uh management company man who's who's definitely doing a lot to make sure willie monroe is you know my name is it's obviously we saw you know uh last year with the with the canelo running we were you know we were very deep in the canelo running you know next to callum smith and obviously with the business being what it is and then being with the zone that was a more logical choice for money and, and prestige. So I get it, but you know, for my management to, for me to not have fought that long, my management to put me in a, a key position like that, you know, you see what's being done. So all I can do is stay ready and, and honor, you know, uh, the disciplines that come along with my dream. And then you have um, Split T, you know what I mean? They manage, you know, Tiafimo Lopez, you know what I mean? Obviously that's a great management team. You see how well he's done. So uh, we're riding a good train right now, just working and staying ready like we've done our whole career. Stay ready, stay ready. Right, mate, that's it. That's it for us. So we've got, um, <clears throat> we always finish with a few questions, if you don't mind, from the uh, from the followers and the viewers. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll read them as they wrote. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, Barry wants to know, um, well, I guess this is probably because, again, you've been in with both, but um, who wins, in your opinion, Billy Joe or Triple G? Um, They both are... Uh, dope fighters. Um, 
at this point because Triple G, I mean, you know, before Canelo, I would have definitely said Triple G. But, you know, uh, at this point in Triple G's career where he's a little older, you know what I mean, a little more shot-worn, you know, it, it's more like a 50-50 now, you know, more more like a 50-50. And that's not a knock on Billy Joe Saunders, but, you know, we all know that, that you know, Triple G as a middleweight probably could have, you know, existed in any era of boxing as a good middleweight, you know, as a great middleweight. So, you know, you, we can't take that away from him. Uh, Billy Joe hasn't really proven that yet, you know. Um, so, but he is a, a phenomenal boxer. So right now, with Triple G being in the position he's in, I would say 50-50. All right, mate. Um, Trent wants to know, what plans do you have when you finish boxing? Is it <laughs> my brother's? Uh, actually, man, as... Uh, well, I've had a few movie roles, so I'm good with that. <laughs> I got have you, what, what have you been in? Uh, well, we did, my, I, my, my face doesn't show up in the movie, but we were in Southpaw for other reasons. Another actor that was- Great film, great yeah. film, I love it. Another actor that was part of the movie sort of stunted some things, so, but I still got paid. I still get, you know, a check three times a year from that movie, so it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, I'll probably be in the next Creed though. <laughs> but uh, but uh, honestly, man, it's just my education. I'll say this, um, right now the world isn't open. And as men, you know, men go out into the world and earn the dollar, but the world isn't open. And uh, like lately, man, I've been um, just, just the investment of family and my wife. Like my wife is handling a lot of things right now. She has a lot of credentials and license and uh, education you know, on the side of, you know, of what I've done as a fighter, she's a very educated uh, female who's created a, a strong lane for us with her education. So she's really um, leading me right now. So I'm just follow, I'm more or less following what she's doing and picking up from what she's doing and, and, and what the like investments and stuff that we both made in the past when I was fighting, you know, certain put money, certain places to look into things, certain people we've invested into, um, they're starting to show that they were great investments, you know what I mean? So um, when like when you got two minds working together, it's always better than one. Absolutely. So uh, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning on those intelligent investments and uh, you know, once boxing is over, those things will save me. Not, and not save me, but those things will keep me um, abundant, I would say. In Florida. <laughs> yeah. In Florida, you know what I mean? Freedom. <laughs> um, Des wants to know, um, it's a bit, a bit of a strange one, this, but who's your best friend in boxing? Um, I have, you know, I'm a, I'll give you this, because this two people have asked me, I would say my best friend, I have a couple best friends in boxing in respect of their positions. Uh, as far as people that I fought, who I'm like very close with, is Brandon Adams. Like, you know, I mean, that's a good friend. Me and him talk on the phone all the time. Um, he's a real good person, you know, real nice guy, real uh, humble guy. You know, I mean, I would never fight him again because we're just too close. You know, um, uh, my boy, Ryan Retchen, who, uh, well, Ryan Recton, I said, is he's going to kill me for butchering his name. Because, <laughs> and it's an insider, he'll, 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 he's going to kill me for butchering his name. But, you know, he's along with Split T and he's, uh, you know, he's the one that's been uh, like, he's he's the gears in between me and Split T that are allowing big opportunities to come. A lot of big sponsors have come and jumped on board because of him. Um, 
He's a great friend of the family. You know, he's a very smart individual and he's proven to me that investments that I've made are smart. So great friend to have. And I would say my best friend in boxing, like, you know, like in boxing is probably like, is probably my little brother, Tommy Logan. It's a fighter, lightweight fighter out here. Like, because me and him, I've had the same role and I just watched this kid, you know what I mean? He's, I mean, former, like four-time amateur national. Now you talk about all the conceivable skills a guy could have, this kid is phenomenal. But I've seen him really have to get up from some turmoil and political stuff in this boxing thing and move forward. And, uh, you know, I've assisted him, but he's also a mere reflection that the things that I believe in are true. And so like my closest friend, like in, you know, in boxing overall, not just in a respectful position, probably be my little brother, Tommy Logan, real close. Good stuff. And last question, and it's the most important question I'm going to ask you. Are you ready for this? Yeah. What are your top three chocolate bars? <laughs> oh, man. So my top three chocolate bars, I'm going to go with Snickers. Ooh, what, number one or number three? Huh? One or three. Which way, which order are you going? It's going to be, if I'm going to put it like this. Number one and two would be Snickers or Butterfinger. Those what? two would be. All right. And my third. Hmm. Mate, everybody thinks about this so long. It's great. You boxers love chocolate. I'll probably say Kit Kat. <laughs> Kit Kat original. A classic. Yeah. Classic. Right, mate, just before we finish, have you got you what, I sorry? Like I like almond joy every once in a while too. Cause I, I like Solid. coconut. I like almond joy every once in a while. But Snickers, Butterfingers, and Kit Kats. Yeah. Top three. Right, just yeah. before we finish, mate, have you got anything to say to the viewers? Um, thank you guys for watching. Thanks for rocking out with me. Um, I, I want to thank everyone who's been hitting the brick by brick uh website. The the you know, the link is in my bio. Let me shameless plug right here. <laughs> but uh I want to thank all of the fans that have been uh like truly, like I'll, you know, I'll look up, I'll go into my email and look and be like, I have four or five buys this day. And I'm like, I really, I didn't know people were, you know, like still rocking because I haven't fought in almost two years. I didn't know people were still rocking with me as a fighter like that. So it's a lot of people getting brick by brick gear. And then when they get their gear, they send pictures. So uh, I like to thank the fans for that because that's keeping me up. You know what I mean? It's, it's keeping me up mentally. You can send me some of that, I mean, right now. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Willie Monroe, thank you very much for your time, mate. We'll catch up again soon, yeah? God bless you, man. See you guys later. Take care, mate.